0: It's Monday, November 25th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. The US Secretary of the Navy has been fired, in part over drama involving the President of the United States repeatedly intervening on behalf of a Navy SEAL accused of war crimes. Then, yet another Democrat has officially entered the race for 2020, but he comes with some baggage, billions of dollars worth of baggage. And finally, a word of warning or your friendly neighborhood mail carrier. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about a shakeup in the US military. On Sunday, the head of the Navy was fired. We're still learning what exactly went down, but it appears this was connected to a recent decision by President Trump to clear US troops accused of war crimes, including a Navy SEAL. That decision by the president didn't go over well at the Navy. And now the head of the Navy is out. So today we're going to get into the backstory here. What exactly led to the Secretary of the Navy being fired and what to expect next? Let's start with a little who's who. On Sunday, the Secretary of the Navy, Richard Spencer, was fired by his boss, Defense Secretary Mark Esper. Both are civilian officials, though both have a military background. Both were also picked by President Trump and confirmed for their jobs by the U.S. Senate. The drama began earlier this month, when President Trump pardoned two soldiers accused or convicted of war crimes in Afghanistan and restored the rank of a Navy SEAL for a separate incident in Iraq. The pardons were pretty controversial, including among military officials. But the story of the Navy SEAL is what's popping today. His name is Edward Gallagher. Here's the backstory on him. While serving as a Navy SEAL, he was tried for the murder of an Islamic State prisoner. Military prosecutors accused him of stabbing that prisoner in the neck, and separately, of shooting an unarmed schoolgirl and an elderly man, and then trying to cover up what he'd done. Members of his own SEAL team testified against him, but Gallagher's legal team accused those witnesses of being liars with a grudge. Ultimately, the murder and attempted murder charges were dismissed by a military jury, but he was found guilty of one thing, unlawfully posing for a picture with a human casualty and for that, he was demoted and had his pay reduced until the president intervened and ordered that the Navy restore his rank and pay. How did that go over inside the military? Reportedly, not so well. After Trump restored Gallagher's rank and pay, officials in the Navy were reportedly frustrated that they had been overruled. And so, not long after, they signaled they'd begin an internal review to see if Gallagher was still fit to serve as a Navy SEAL, which, if they determined he wasn't, would have meant Gallagher would lose his trident. Not like the one in Little Mermaid, but kind of. The trident is a pin worn by Navy SEALs. They get it after completing a rigorous training program. It depicts an eagle sitting on a trident and holding a pistol. It symbolizes the environments where Navy SEALs operate, sea, air, and land. The New York Times reports that having your trident taken away is like being excommunicated from a church, as in basically banished, And it looked like Gallagher might have gotten that punishment until, once again, the president got involved and tweeted that, quote, the Navy will not be taking away warfighter and Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher's trident pin. He went on to say, this case was handled very badly from the beginning. Get back to business. This led a bunch of very high-ranking officials in the military to ask Trump to back off including Defense Secretary Esper, who asked Trump to let the internal review process play out. But unbeknownst to Esper, someone else was pleading the case with the president too, the Navy secretary, Richard Spencer. Spencer reportedly tried to broker a side deal with the president, in which the Navy would go ahead with reviewing whether Gallagher was fit to remain a SEAL, but ultimately let him keep the trident and retire with his rank. If that sounds off to you, it kinda is, Spencer was basically determining the verdict of the review before the review even happened. And when Esper caught word that Spencer was trying to do this, he fired him, reportedly for going around his back and negotiating directly with the president. At least that's what officials in the Defense Department say. Trump says Spencer's out because of how Gallagher was treated and that he wasn't doing that great of a job anyway. But Spencer himself, in a letter to the president, said he didn't agree with the president's positions on quote, good order and discipline and that the president deserved a Navy secretary who did. So what happens now? According to reports, the Navy's review board is no longer looking into Gallagher. So for now, he can retire at his current restored rank. And Esper says today that the president ordered him to let Gallagher keep his pin too. And as Trump makes moves to help Gallagher behind the scenes, Gallagher is repaying the favor in public. Over the last few days, he's gone on Fox News to thank Trump for his support and denigrated another current military leader, the Admiral of the Navy SEALs, for pushing for the review board to look into him. I'm overjoyed that he stepped in again as being the leader that he is, um, but at the same, at the same token, I, it's a, I just get a feeling of embarrassment for my community that Admiral Green is letting the ego get the best of him at this point, um, and he's trying to take my trident because it's, it's all about retaliation. So what's the scam? To be clear, the Navy has taken away tridents before, and presidents have pardoned service members before. So those parts of the story are not unprecedented. But some argue that this latest story is one more piece of evidence that the military's traditional political independence is under threat. Trump has previously been criticized for signing MAGA hats at military bases, insulting political opponents in front of troops, and repeatedly saying, my generals and my military instead of our generals or the U.S. military. The military is supposed to be apolitical. It doesn't answer to one party or the other. It serves the country. And some observers warn that by pardoning criminals and rewarding those who take their gripes to cable TV instead of using the chain of command, the president is further eroding the good order, discipline, and accountability that the US military stands for. Will he or won't he? Turns out, he will. Yesterday, billionaire Michael Bloomberg officially threw his hat into the 2020 race, bringing the count of people running for president to 18 Democrats and three Republicans. Jobs creator, leader, problem solver. It's going to take all three to build back a country. We talked about Bloomberg on the show a couple weeks ago. He's a 77-year-old former New York City mayor with a casual net worth of $54 billion which, according to Forbes, makes him the ninth richest person in the world. After growing up middle class, he worked his way through college and began a long career on Wall Street, where he revolutionized financial news data with his media company, Bloomberg LP. From what we know about his campaign so far, it's definitely not traditional. Bloomberg is skipping out on the early primaries, putting his focus on Super Tuesday, which isn't until March. And he's already blown other candidates out of the water in ad spending. This week alone, he's booked over $31 million worth of television ads. That's reportedly the most any presidential candidate has ever spent on broadcast ads in a single week. So expect to hear his name come up a couple times if you're tuned into TV over Thanksgiving break. But having deep pockets can also mean a lot of conflicts. Bloomberg's business holdings reach far and wide, with over 19,000 employees in 69 countries. Experts say that can pose a lot of issues if he becomes president and is put in charge of public policies that could then impact those businesses and his personal finances. They say it would be in Bloomberg's best interest to divest from his businesses and step away. To be clear, this isn't a new problem. Many wealthy incoming presidents in recent years have either sold their high-value business assets or put them in a blind trust to avoid any conflict of interest. From Jimmy Carter to Ronald Reagan, both Bush presidents, and Bill Clinton. Every president except for President Trump. Because importantly, divesting isn't required by law. It's more so seen as a demonstration that the president is putting the country's interests ahead of his or her own personal interests. So what Bloomberg plans to do with his assets will be closely watched. But early indications show that he doesn't have a problem with stepping away. It's actually already something he's done before, when he was the mayor of New York City for over a decade. But in the meantime, he may take some heat for not stepping away now from his media company, Bloomberg News. So far, Bloomberg says, I've got this covered. After he announced his candidacy, the editor-in-chief of Bloomberg News said, moving forward, it won't investigate Bloomberg or any of his Democratic rivals. And that Bloomberg opinion won't run any unsigned editorials. Basically their way of saying, No ethics concerns here, though some journalists, including former Bloomberg employees, are saying that's still problematic, especially since Bloomberg News still plans to continue investigations into President Trump. In any case, the race is still on, and it's getting crowded in here with tons of stories to keep an eye on. This is one you may be seeing a lot about in the weeks to come, though maybe not on Bloomberg News. You probably read in the Daily Skim this morning that yesterday, a ton of people in Hong Kong said, hashtag no excuses, and showed up to the ballot box. It wasn't a big election. Local district councilor seats were up for grabs. Those positions have very little political power. They mostly deal with local issues like transportation and sanitation. But it was still a huge win for pro-democracy protesters. They've been making headlines in Hong Kong for the last six months, and the pro-democracy candidates won big. They went from holding only a quarter of the seats to nearly 90% of them. And council members friendly with the Communist Party in Beijing now only hold a handful. Aside from the wins for pro-democracy candidates, this election was also kind of a win for democracy, period. A record number of people turned out to vote, seven out of 10 eligible voters, which is huge when you compare it to voter turnout in other democracies around the world, like in the US. During the last presidential election, Eligible voter turnout was only 55%. For more on the fight between Hong Kong and China, head on over to theskim.com slash guides. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from Waukesha County, Wisconsin, where for weeks, a wild turkey has been stalking a local mailman. As Jeff Byrne drives from house to house, mailbox to mailbox, the turkey has gotten very attached. I'll be honest, the beginning was get away from the truck, but now I'm not even speaking to him. There were a few scares toward the beginning. Kind of jumped up and flapped his wings, feathers, or whatever it is. Got real close to my face. But now, in true holiday spirit, this might just be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Oh, it's Thanksgiving. I can't say he's annoying. Too close to his holiday. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us online. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.